0: We have offended and violated God. We stand condemned, yet in his grace and mercy, he extends to us salvation. Imagine then what will happen if we refuse that salvation. We'll talk about that next on Truth For Today. Greetings and welcome. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Today we're continuing our survey of John. We find ourselves in chapter 12, verses 37 through 50. It's the divine rejection of those that would reject Jesus. Sad to say, there are those who would refuse a handout of salvation, a handout of redemption, eternal life in Christ. What happens to those people? Well, not all roads lead to heaven, as we'll find out. Here's Pastor Phil Howard.
1: We've come to the end of the public ministry of Christ. He goes into hiding. Uh, his public offer uh, has been presented and has been rejected. And John's gospel only gives us six to seven signs of what he did. But listen to what another passage, the theme of the book in chapter 20 it says, Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So, this is just a sampling. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, believe is not mental assent that he existed. An atheist has to read history. And if he's fair with history, somebody showed up by the name of Jesus at this time, did these many things. It's no big deal if you believe the history about him. The idea is if you believe he is who he said he was and really trust him. But this is written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And then at the end of the book, the very last verse, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. In other words, John is saying There is all kinds of empirical, experiential, observable evidence that Jesus did what no man could do unless God was with him. Over and over. And he came to a Jewish audience that expected these signs, knew what Messiah would do when he came. So over and over and over the evidence is presented. The remarkable thing about people who go to hell, they never go to hell because there was not enough evidence given for them not to go there. No one goes to hell because God didn't do enough. They just, God could never do enough to keep the man that wants to go to hell from going there. The evidence is right here. And so we want to look at three things in this chapter where he's closing the book on his public ministry has gone into hiding and then we'll pick him up in 13 through 17 in the upper room with eventually his 11 men and then we pick up the narrative of his trial in 18, the cross in 19, resurrection in 20, and meeting Peter at the Sea of Galilee in 21. So there's three things I want us to note here. The public rejection of Christ was predicted and prophesied long ago. Christ was not surprised by his rejection. It had been prophesied, and so he was not caught off guard. God was not caught off guard that they would not believe him. As it says, in spite of all the signs, verse 37, But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. Verse 44, he who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. I and the Father are one. To reject me is to reject God, for I am his messenger. The second thing we want to look at is. The rejection of Christ is always a personal choice. It is not just arbitrary. You make the choice. God leaves it with you. And he'll give you what you choose. If you do not want Christ, hell was created so you would never be bothered by God again. And so God will give you what you choose. And then finally, uh, I would have us look at why it is just of God to damn those who reject him. Why is it just? And so, let's first of all notice that he says, I'm going into hiding. They won't believe my ministry. I've raised Lazarus. I'm still having the fallout. They're wanting to kill Lazarus. They've now moved in to kill me. I know that. I'm in danger just being in the uh, vicinity of Jerusalem. And so then he has John write, This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, the prophet, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is from Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And probably the reference to the arm of the Lord, which is a term for his strength. His strength was manifested in the signs, manifested in the miracles. Obviously, a message of hope has come in Messiah, a message of power, a message of divine deliverance. But who has believed it? Who wants it? He came to his own, and his own did not welcome it. They did not want it. Come on, God, you can do better than this. No, no, because I never will force a man to take me. Someone said God made hell because he wouldn't force anybody into heaven. If you don't want him, it would be torture to you to be stuck with God for eternity if you don't want him. So, you hear that, you hear guys kidding. Hey, I won't have any problem going to hell. I'll be so busy greeting all my friends. Uh, What a terrible thought. There'll be no greetings going on. For it's a place of isolation and banishment. But, he does something here. What is going on is in fulfillment of what Isaiah prophesied when he goes on to say, That uh, he said again. He has blinded their eyes. He has hardened their heart. So that they would not see with their eyes. And perceive with their heart. And be converted. And I heal them. Prophecy of Isaiah 6. Isaiah sees the glory of the Lord in the temple. Says woe is unto me. God cleanses his lips. He says Who's gonna go for me, Isaiah? Isaiah say, I'll go. And then Isaiah is given this message. Go preach so that they will not see, preach so that they will not hear, preach so that they will not believe, go preach judgment to the nation. Now that is an astounding assignment to be given. For me to be told, go preach Sunday morning so that everybody who hears you will be damned after they hear you. Because I'm going to close their eyes, close their ears, and make it so they can't believe to be saved. What's the text say? Did God predestine them to be lost? So he just won't ever give them a chance. I read an interesting book this last week on biblical idolatry. Not all the book but especially on Isaiah 6, written by G.K. Beale, B-E-A-L-E, Biblical Theology of Idolatry. He puts a thesis out, and he develops it from Isaiah 44, Isaiah 40, Isaiah 29, Deuteronomy 29, 4, this thesis, that we become like what we worship, either to our ruin or to our redemption. That you become like what you worship. And he throughout Isaiah likens their gods in chapter 40 and 44 he likens it. You cut the tree down with half of it you build a fire. The other half you carve something that cannot see you, cannot hear you, cannot feel for you, cannot deliver you in Isaiah 46, he said, hey, when you bring out Baal and you bring out Dagon, you've created a God that has to be coup- pulled on ox carts. They have to nail it down, steady it, so it won't fall. Because you've got to take care of your gods. You've got to take care of your gods. You you've got to feed them. You've got to pamper them. You've got to be sure they don't. And then God tells Israel, Israel, you don't have to carry me. I carry you. I'm not the God that needs to be propped up. I'm the God you better not even touch the ark. Because you think a dead God is inside that ark. I want to tell you I'm beyond the ark. And Uzzah, you messed with the wrong God. I'm not an idol that can't strike. I'll strike you dead. For I'm not a God in a box. I'm the God of the whole universe. I'm powerful. And so what is happening here? He's telling Israel, you have gone into idolatry. You've chosen gods that can't hear. You've chosen gods that can't see. Gods that have no heart. Gods that cannot deliver. I'm going to make you just like what you've chosen. I'm going to see to it you can't see me. I'm going to make it so you can't hear me. I'm going to make it so you can't believe in me. I'm going to give you what you chose. We get the same picture in Romans 1. Men take what can be known of God, and he says they suppress it. They stuff it. They try to keep God out. Romans 1.18. And what Romans 1 is describing is not the Bay Area in 2012. That began in the Garden of Eden when they said, we will be our own God. And God kicks them out of paradise, kicks them out of Eden. And he says, I'm going to start giving up the race, giving up the race to do everything they want to do. I'll see to it that millions will perish without ever knowing me, Feeling me, seeing me, wanting me. Because they don't want me to be known. They want to suppress me. They would rather worship an idol. They'd rather offer their daughters up to gods that demand the slitting of the throat of their daughters. Jeremiah said, You offer your children to Moloch, something that never entered my mind to ask you to do for me. I'll let you destroy yourself on your choices. I'll let you become like what you worship. It's a scary thought that man is always becoming like something. And he becomes like what he adores the most. He becomes like what he adores. You see, some people, their hell would be to be locked in a room uh, filled with nothing but pictures of themselves. That would be their hell. They're in love with self. And hell would be more pictures of me, more biography about me, more of me. And God says, I will let you have all of you you want, but without me. I think of uh, uh, two stars. I think of Marilyn Monroe. If anybody had beauty, if anybody could sell sex appeal, uh, what a uh, remarkable power she had. And yet, when you read the biography, the loneliness, the being unloved, being used, uh, dying with booze, dying with loneliness, uh, dying as a really an unloved girl, but used, used by Hollywood. We want to sell your body to make men lust because it makes us money. And so she died unloved. She died uncared for. What about a Whitney? I mean... Uh, uh, I'll always love you. you. I mean, don't try to sing it anymore since she recorded it. Can you imagine Willie Nelson singing that? I mean, no, 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 no. Whitney, that's her song, even though Dolly wrote it. Dolly doesn't care. She's running to the bank on it. I'll always love you, our emotions. Come on. Powerful voice and found in a bathtub with an overdose. One of the greatest voices without Bobby. Bobby wasn't there. Nobody was there. She got all she wanted. Fame left the church roots. Give me fame. Give me drugs. Give me men. Give me Bobby. And even Bobby doesn't want you because you're destroying yourself. On wanting to be loved and loved by the wrong objects. And God gives us over to what we choose instead of him. He'll give you all of what you choose over him. Is it money? He'll give you all the money you want and damn your soul. There's a man that said, I'm going to build more barns. I'm prospering, but I don't have any time for God. And Jesus says, you had time for finances and you wouldn't pay one minute's attention to your soul. I'll give you your barns, but I'll damn your soul. God says, I No, my son is going to be rejected and I'm not caught off guard. I'm giving men exactly what they want. They don't want my son. I'm going to enable them to die without him and go to hell without him. He's not caught off guard. Uh, Here's something that's interesting. The rejection of Jesus Christ was an obvious choice. And he gives the illustration here of the religious rulers that he said, uh, they, many of them, believed in him. And I don't believe this is saving faith, because throughout John, they believed when he gave them the loaves and the fishes. They would believe at a miracle. Boy, this must be God. But then they would go back. They wouldn't follow him anymore. And so obviously, you have religious rulers uh, that are seeing And hearing of the miracles. This sounds like what Messiah would do. This, he's probably the one. He's got all the credentials. But listen to what it says. Nevertheless, many, even of the rulers, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him. For fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. Whoa, whoa. Wait, you're not going to own Messiah because you're going to be cut out of a dead religion anyway? You're going to be cut out of a place that has sold God out? Yeah, yeah. We'll lose our uh, job as a pastor. We're pastoring a dead God synagogue. No God at the synagogue. People ask me all the time, where do Jewish people go? They go the same place Gentiles go. If you don't put faith in this Messiah, God doesn't accommodate anybody. He doesn't care what your ethnicity is. You get the same choice. What think ye of Christ? Jews aren't going to heaven because they're Jews. Do you understand that? Jews are not going to heaven. And I work with Jews. I work with Jews for Jesus all the time. I love the Jewish people, but their ethnicity won't get them to heaven. And neither will you growing up in this church get you to heaven. Being born again and owning Christ. Here's the test. Here's the test. Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord in the temple, but these men... They love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Here's two glories. The glory of man's approval and the glory of God. Christ came bearing the glory of God. There's another glory though. Human praise. Human popularity. Human approval. And guess what these religious rulers said? We'd rather stay popular. We'd rather... Be quiet about Christ. We're not going to risk our our necks for this guy doing all these miracles. But we think he's probably the one. But we choose to be popular, to be approved, and stay where the majority is. Does anybody on your job know you're a Christian? I hear three of you. It's that old story that's been told many times about the kid that's going to work at a logging camp during the summer and and they're praying for him at the youth group and all like that. And after the summer, he comes back. Hey, how did it go? Did anyone persecute you? Whatever. He said, no, I made it all summer without anyone finding out I'm a Christian. <laughs> Nobody bothered me. Is that what you're trying to do? I'm amazed as a teenager how much pool, popularity, peer approval meant to me, and it was my struggle. And I look back now, running with those punks, running with those little San Pablo hoodlums, many who went to jail, many who got busted. They taught me how to steal. They taught me how to run the streets, just hoping my dad wouldn't find out. And I think, I'd rather have their approval than for them to know I know Christ. That was that teenage battle. Will you go out for the God who created the universe and sent his son to save you? Or do you want to be popular with a few little hoodlums running the streets? Oh, we have it all the time. Oh, man, I'm going with a girl. I'm sleeping with her. Man, I, I went for Jesus. You guys don't believe in doing that stuff. No, we don't. God doesn't. If that good looking, why don't you start feeding her? Why don't you get a license? Well, she might get sick on me. Well, yeah, she might. They might use, she'll need dental work in time. My dad said they always looked at the horse's mouth before they bought the horse. You boys check their teeth. Yeah, yeah, if you really love them, it could cost you some money. Yeah. You don't love her, you're just using her. She quits putting out, you'll find another one. But she's so desperate for love, she'll give you credit for loving her. The only one that really loves her is Jesus. He did not want to use her. He died for her. He wants to give her eternal life. And you too, if you'll quit using her. It's a choice who you're going to run with. Let me make a little defense since I get paid to defend God. Uh... I hear this a lot because I, I'd be known as a Calvinist. But I, I'm really pre-Calvin. I'm Paul. I'm Jesus. I just think God's sovereign. I think God's in charge. So I don't sweat elections and a lot of other stuff. He's going to have his way. He's going to have his way. I really believe that. Some of you don't. Too bad. Read your Bible. But here's one I hear a lot. People say, I hear this line, well, you know, I've got a free will. I don't buy that stuff. God tells you what to do. I'm free. I'm free. Yes, you are, honey. You really are. Yeah, you, you're so free. Yep. You know, I, I'm no, no uh, divine fiat makes me do whatever. I, I make, I'm self-governing. I'm autonomous. I choose what I want. I do. Well, you know what? All right. Write it to the bank, honey. You got it. Now, let me tell you something you might not have heard of. He's got free will. Get quiet, see. He's got a free will. God.
0: And I'm thinking his will is a bit bigger than ours. After all, he is God, isn't he? As we work our way through this wonderful gospel, it is our hope and prayer that chapter 20 and verse 31 will come to bear on your own heart and mind, that you understand why John wrote what he wrote for the purpose of believing and having life eternal in Christ. To review a copy of today's program or to obtain the entire series, we would ask you to get in touch with us here at Truth for Today. And there are a couple of ways to do so. You can call us at 855-833-9864, or you can stop by our website, valleybible.org, and take advantage of the resource materials that we have posted there as well. You're also welcome to write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, the zip code 94547. And as always, your gifts make a great difference here at the ministry. No matter how large or how small, your financial contributions to this ministry allow us to continue presenting the gospel here on KFAX. As a TFT sustainer, we would also like to pass along your way a quarterly newsletter, along with our once a year special gift and access to take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional that we have. Again, these are all just simple ways of saying thank you for supporting us financially, realizing that this broadcast is presented daily here on KFAX through your financial involvement as well as your prayerful support. One other note, as we close out our time together today, we would like to invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. You can find out all of the details and directions at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. We thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure to share God's Word with you. And we look forward to the next time when we can do it again, here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.